Good day everyone and welcome to episode 9 of the Mahabharata as a podcast. This podcast explores each and every chapter of the Mahabharata text which is the biggest epic in human history. In this episode we will continue discussing the fifth section of the Mahabharata text. This section is titled Astika Parva and is part of the larger Adi Parva. Astika Parva is one of the longest parvas and therefore I have covered this across multiple episodes. This episode covers part 4 and is the concluding episode of Astika Parva. And finally before we begin depending upon the platform where you are listening to this podcast please feel free to leave me a comment question or feedback. Alternatively you can drop me an email at mahabharata@outlook.com. Please like, subscribe and share if you find this podcast useful. King Janmeja has decided he will avenge his father's death. He asks the priests if there is any act that he can undertake to punish the Nagas, especially the vilest of them, Takshak. I want to burn the snakes just as they had burned my father, he says with his fist clenched and his eyes red. The priests reply that ancient texts describe a sacrifice for such an occasion. This is called snake sacrifice and this would burn down the snakes when offerings are made into the sacrificial fire calling their names. The king rises and orders his ministers to make arrangements for the snake sacrifice. The entire bureaucracy in the king's court begins the work. A large sacrificial platform is erected with careful measurements on which the snake sacrifice will be held. When the platform was being built, one of the main architects of the platform prophesizes that the direction and the measurement of the platform suggests that this sacrifice may be disrupted likely due to the actions of a brahman. But nothing much can be done now. The platform is already erected. Janmeja orders that while the sacrifice is being performed no one except those invited should be allowed entry he just wanted to make sure that the prophecy does not come true Janmeja is seated on the sacrificial platform when brahmins pronounce the mantras to begin the ceremony all of them dressed in black their eyes red with smoke that came from the fire it is a heart trembling scene As the mantras are being recited a stream of snake is drawn towards the sacrificial fire hundreds upon hundreds fall into the fire and are torched to death those in sky are screaming vainly struggling to somehow escape but the power of mantras overtakes them and pulls them straight into their blazing death the curse of their mother is coming true the snakes in fact are meeting their death by fire Shonuka interrupts Sati. Who were the priests who were performing the snake sacrifice? He asks. Sati narrates the names of the principal priests who were officiating the ceremony. Vedvyas along with many of his disciples were also in attendance. And they all witnessed a river of snakes pouring down from the sky into the fire. Snakes of all colors, shapes and forms. Some as tiny as rats, others as large as elephants. Takshak is trembling. At any time he will be drawn to the sacrificial ceremony and will be burnt alive. He rushes to seek refuge in Indra's abode. 
Lord Indra grants it to him. Vasuki, on the other hand, is extremely depressed. One by one, his mates are being drawn to the snake sacrifice. And it is just a matter of time when the whole Naga Brotherhood is reduced to ashes. Addressing to his sister, he says that it is time that Astika should go to the sacrifice and stop it. The time has come. If he does not go now, it will be too late and our entire lineage will be doomed, he says. Vasuki's sister Jaratkaru rushes to find her son. My son, it is time that you achieve the purpose of your birth. The reason why my brother married me to your sage father, she asks her son. Astika replies, Mother, tell me clearly as to why my uncle Vasuki married you to my father. What is the purpose that I need to achieve? Jaratkaru narrates the whole story to Astika in detail, starting with how Nagas were cursed by their mother and how Lord Brahma himself assured Vasuki that the son born to his sister will redeem the Nagas. Astika bows to his mother and rushes to see Vasuki. He consoles his uncle that he will do whatever is necessary to stop the snake sacrifice. Saying this, he rushes to the place where the sacrifice is being held. As soon as he arrives, the guards stop him from entering the sacrificial ground. Astika, however, is a learned Brahmin, an excellent orator and a fine poet. He is still quite young but very clever. Standing at the gate, he praises the sacrificial arrangements and the greatness of the king, almost composing a poem in his praises. In his poetry, he compares the grandeur of the ceremony with many others organized in the past and concludes that the one organized by Janmeja is far greater than any organized in known history. Astika's words are music to Janmeja's ears and to all those participating. They all unanimously say that this Brahmin child deserves a boon of his desire. Janmeja, while seated on the sacrificial platform, says to Astika, Ask anything that your heart desires and it shall be granted. One of the officiating priests interrupts the king. My king, the purpose of the sacrifice has not yet been achieved. Takshak is still not here. Janmeja, however, is not happy. He must first serve a Brahmin standing on his doorsteps. Holding back his anger, he says, Please do whatever is necessary and bring Takshak right away. The priest complies and increases the intensity of the sacrifice manifolds. Then another priest shouts that Takshak has been granted refuge by Lord Indra. This is the reason why he has not come so far. Continue the sacrifice, shouts Janmeja. The sacrificial ceremony is too intense. The power of the mantras now rise to heavens. Seeing this, Lord Indra rushes to the spot. Janmeja ignores him. One of the priests shouts that Takshak has already come but is hiding in Indra's garments. Get Takshak into the fire and if it is hard, pull Indra along with him. Janmeja screams in anger. The priests strengthen the intensity of sacrifice even more and Indra finally lets go of Takshak. Takshak now begins to fall towards the sacrificial fire. Janmeja is happy seeing this. 
the objective of his sacrifice is almost achieved. And then he addresses Astika. O oh, respected Brahman, please ask what your heart desires. Takshak is still in mid-air, swiftly descending towards the fire. And then Astika speaks up. Stop this sacrifice. This is what I desire, he says. The audience is stunned, their eyes frozen on Astika. Janmeja tells the young Brahmin that if there is anything else he desires, it can be granted, but the sacrifice will continue. The Brahmin, however, is adamant. The sacrifice must be stopped. Takshak is suspended in mid-air. The sacrifice has been disrupted as prophesied by the chief architect of the platform. All those present look at each other and unanimously request the king to stop the sacrifice. It would be an inauspicious conduct to refuse a Brahmin, particularly at the time when a king of Janmeja's stature is undertaking a sacrificial ceremony. The ceremony is thus stopped at the order of the king. Shonuka interrupts Sauti again. This time he wants to know the names of those snakes who perished. Sauti lists the name of the principal snakes, noting that the countless millions died that day, so recalling their names wouldn't be possible. He gives many names from the progeny of Vasuki, Takshak and Dhritarashtra. One snake in Dhritarashtra's lineage is named Shakuni, but he is different to Shakuni who was the uncle of the Korvas. Sati also mentions that as soon as Astika asked to stop the sacrifice, Takshak was immediately suspended mid-air, despite the sacrifice continue. Such was the power of the sage. The sacrifice is thus concluded. King Janmeja is also pleased. Astika has clearly impressed the king. He generously donates to Astika and the man who prophesies the potential disruption. Astika departs to Naga Palace and informs his Naga relatives that he has successfully stopped the snake sacrifice. At that, the Nagas are extremely delighted. They grant to Astika to ask for any boon of his desire. Astika replies that the only boon that he can think of and that his relatives should grant him is to free all of the human beings of the fear of Nagas. This way, the sage ensures that Nagas learn to walk the path of dharma and do not unnecessarily provoke any more hostilities. Sati concludes the story of snake sacrifice. Shonuka says that he is extremely pleased hearing this story. But it appears that this descendant of Bhrigu is still not satisfied. He requests Sauti to now narrate the story that is famous by the name of Bharat or Mahabharat. The story that was recited at that great snake sacrifice of Janmeja by Vedavyasa himself. O oh, great sage, Sauti replies, his hands folded in respect. It will be my pleasure to recite that wonderful story to you, exactly the way it was recited by the sage among sages. Krishna Dvaipyana Vedavyasa. This parva ends here. We heard many stories in this including some in previous parvas. 
When I read up to this parva, my initial reaction is that there are many strands even in the earlier part of the Mahabharata text and these are very beautifully intertwined. The author's style also feels a bit, a bit contemporary. Generally, stories start in the past and then gradually progress. This story, however, starts way into the future and keeps going back to past when needed. Before we move further into the story in upcoming episodes, let's just spend some time and remainder of this episode summarizing what we have heard so far. We started our journey with Anukamunika Parva. There we heard of a sage by the name of Garsharva or Sauti who is attending a ceremony where he narrates the Mahabharata story in a summary form. Consider this as a form of a trailer before going into movie. I found this parva a bit unique in that in addition to presenting the summary, it dives into the detailed conversation between Sanjay and Dhritarashtra. Far too many words are dedicated to this conversation than to the actual summary. In that conversation, Dhritarashtra is mourning the death of his sons by saying that he never had any hope of victory when his sons attempted to insult Draupadi. He never had any hope of victory when Duryodhana attempted to poison him. Dhritarashtra goes on and on saying that he had no hope of victory when X or Y event happened. If you read that dialogue, you will be surprised that Sati has almost narrated all the main events in the actual story through this very dialogue between Sanjay and Dhritarashtra. This might feel like spoiler but I think we should commend Sati here. He has successfully managed to excite his audience. His audience are the sages and the priests who love to debate on moral, ethical and spiritual concerns of the society. Understanding and reflecting on the mental condition of Dhritarashtra offers such an opportunity. They must be thinking, why did that king suffer so much? How could he have behaved differently? My view is that without giving out this crux, Sauti wouldn't have been able to interest his audience and entice them into hearing the story in, in its entirety. Next we go into Parvsamgra Parva which is nothing but a table of contents. Again it's a unique way of presentation. Sauti lists 100 Parvas first and then the 18 Parvas. Then in each of those 18 parvas, he lists the number of chapters and shlokas and the key themes in that parva. Now, if you were to combine the first two parvas, then this is what Sauti has actually done here. He has told his audience that there is a huge moral lesson in the story and that the story is a very long session of entertainment. Your audience isn't going anywhere after this. Sauti, in fact, is a great storyteller. Next, we are in Poshya Parva. In earlier Parva, Sauti mentioned about the snake sacrifice where this story was recited. In this Parva, he explains circumstances which led to that snake sacrifice. He silently introduces King Janmeja and his search for a sage who could redeem him of a curse. Then Sauti talks about a sage by the name of Ayodhya and his three disciples. One of the disciples is named Veda. 
When Veda has completed his studies, he initiates his own ashram. And one of the Veda's students named Utanka, who gets really annoyed by Takshak when he is out to obtain earrings from the wife of King Poshya. Angered Utanka goes to King Janmeja and inspires him to undertake snake sacrifice. In a way, Utanka actually acts as a reminder for King to organize the sacrifice. And that snake sacrifice in turn is where the Mahabharata story is recited. So in a way it is safe to say that we owe our knowledge of the story to that snake sacrifice. Next we are in Paluma Parva where we hear the story of Bhrigu lineage. The reason why these stories were narrated by Sauti was because the host of the ceremony, which Sauti is attending, makes that request. That host is Shonuka and Bhrigu was his ancestor. We hear how Agni was cursed by Bhrigu and how eventually he was redeemed. Then we hear about birth of Bhrigu's son Chaivana and the story of demon Paluban. Next we hear a wonderful and sad love story of Ruru, again from Bhrigu lineage. I like this part in particular because reading this it appears that although the story is diverted but our great storyteller Sauti brings it back to snake sacrifice and he does that by introducing another character named Sage Astika. And finally we land into Astika Parva. This was the longest Parva so far and we covered this across four episodes with this episode being the last one in the series. In Astika Parva we hear about a sage by the name of Jaratkaru who in an attempt to appease his ancestors goes to look for a wife. A Naga king Vasuki offers him his sister saying that the son born from this marriage will redeem the Nagas from a curse given to them by their mother. Then we hear why the Nagas were cursed by their mother and that was because there was a wager on the color of horse's tail between two wives of Kashyap who also happen to be sisters. One of these sisters named Kadru is the mother of the Nagas. Nagas refuse to comply with their mother's instructions to help her cheat her way through the Veja and hence the curse. Then we go into the story of the horse which was subject matter of the Veja. Where did that horse come from? We hear that the horse came from churning of the ocean. What was that churning of the ocean? We hear about the ocean churning in discovery of the nectar of immortality. In the process, we also hear the story of second wife of Kashyap named Vinata who gives birth to two sons. One is deformed at birth and is named Aruna and the second one is Garuda who is famous as the vehicle of Lord Vishnu. Garuda and the Nagas are enemies of each other because the Garuda's mother loses a wager on the horse as we mentioned before and becomes a slave of Naga's mother that is her own sister. In an attempt to free his mother Garuda promises to Nagas that he will bring the nectar of immortality from Devloka. Consequently he attacks Devloka and brings in the nectar but it never gets to Nagas as he along with Lord Indra deceives his Naga brothers. This story is covered in detail in episode 7. This perhaps was an attempt on part of Nagas to avoid the curse of their mother but 
इट डीड वासुकी द किंग ऑफ नागाज हुज ऑलवेज बीन हेल्पफुल टू गॉड्स स्पेशली ड्यूरिंग ओशन चर्निंग learns from lord brahma that a son born to sage by the name of jaratkaru will be their savior but that sage will only marry a woman whose name is also jaratkaru vasuki's sister name also happens to be jaratkaru so he marries his sister to the sage from that couple is born sage astika and this is how this parva gets its name astika parva The Parva next narrates the story of King Parikshit and how he dies at the hands of Takshak cursed by a sage. Parikshit's son is Janmeja who vows to organize a snake sacrifice to avenge his father and in that snake sacrifice many snakes are burned but Astika intervenes to save principal snakes and convinces the king to stop the snake sacrifice. So this broadly was the summary of what we have heard so far from our great storyteller Sothi. What happens next? Let's find out in the next episode. While we have a couple of more minutes, let's just reflect on some of the key insights and takeaways so far in the final segment of today's episode. My first immediate insight is the way of communication, the way different characters are talking to each other in the story. Obviously when I narrate the story and although I try not to miss out on any important details but I do shorten and paragraph the dialogue quite often. When you read the original text however the way of communication will probably surprise you and may at times sound a bit boring. For example the use of long phrases full of immense respect like oh illustrious one oh learned sage oh respected brahman etc. Characters show immense respect to each other. When they praise someone they don't just say you're good or you're pretty instead they almost compose an entire poem in their praise and this is across the board not just brahmins but all the castes or varnas generally follow the same approach this to me reflects innate sensitivity in the way to attract attention of your listener When addressing someone you want to make sure that it is very respectful and least offensive. This is unlike our contemporary times. First, we want to compress so many things in just a few words and then we just give out raw words rather than carefully selecting them and conveying the message in an appropriate tone. Most of the time the disagreements arise not because of the substance of the argument but the tone of the words if you want to do a bit of an experiment on this you might want to go to any social media platform and put out an outrageous statement that is fundamentally wrong then watch how people react rather than respectfully correcting you they would call you all sorts of things of course not everyone is like that but In my view this is a general trend. Whereas in Mahabharata story characters love to talk and convey their point of views and when they do they are extremely sensitive to the feelings of their listeners and carefully and thoughtfully select their words. The other insight I had is we see some characters showing extreme emotions. For instance Sage Shringi ends up cursing Parikshit and a good king dies premature death. This enrages Janmeja who ends up killing millions of snakes. 
curse of Kadru, the mother of Nagas, is perhaps the worst. A mother cursing her thousand sons that she received as a boon. Terrible, isn't it? It's really hard to say who was eventually responsible for the death of so many Nagas. Was it their mother who cursed them? Or was it Shringi who cursed Parikshad and eventually Janmeja avenged his father? Or was it Janmeja who, one could argue, perhaps could have controlled his anger? Or was it Utanka who inspired Janmeja? You can also blame Garuda if you want, because he deceived his Naga brothers and deprived them of the nectar. In all of this, I like the character of Shamika, who was a man of calm head. He tried his best to save the king by sending a messenger, but of course, Takshak won in the end. This is quite a practical insight. Decisions taken out of hothead eventually bite us back. Although the actual drama of the Mahabharata story hasn't yet begun and perhaps the story of Janmeja isn't that relevant in the wider context of the story, but what we have heard so far does give us a flavor of what types of emotions to expect. We saw what anger does to various characters. To Takshak, it costed him his progeny. To Parikshat, his life. To Kadru, her sons. And then we have arrogance. It almost costs Indra his crown and severe humiliation at the hands of Garuda. Although he gets his crown back by taking right decision of befriending Garuda at the right time, but yeah, it was a great humiliation. Then we have jealousy. It costed Vinata a son and eventually makes her a slave of her own sister. One question that I have consistently received from some of my young listeners in particular is about these curses. How come someone says a word and it comes true? Well, the curse is a metaphor in this situation as far as I understand it. It represents concentration of power to a responsible individual. Shouting a curse in anger represents misuse of that power. The sages and priests and Brahmins enjoy immense power and respect in the society. They have the power to change and their inductions are rarely objected to. But with great power comes great responsibility. Societies meet their downfall when powerful misuse their power. For example, when a major politician goes corrupt, he really impacts the society in a negative way. We often say that he is a curse to the society, quite metaphorically of course. But the larger point to consider in regard to various curses, and in fact boons as well, is that they represent social status and power granted to an individual. We have seen this power used and misused throughout this story in various shapes and forms. So don't take curse or boons as a magical phenomenon, rather think about it as a misuse of power. When a king, for example, says in the story that he wants to grant someone a boon, that doesn't necessarily mean he will do something magical. All he is saying is that ask your desire and he will fulfill it, be it wealth, riches, land or anything. Alright, so I think this episode is now getting a bit longer, so we'll perhaps end it here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. In next episode, we'll begin a new parva. 
I hope you liked today's episode and if so please do not forget to like subscribe and share and yes please leave me a comment or drop me an email if you have any questions comments or feedback email is provided in the description with that i will see you in the next episode until then goodbye and take care